Dumps and Nitty Gritty Reviews, the movie review podcast that uses a unique grid rating system to discuss a movie's weaknesses and celebrate its strengths. I'm Rachel, and my co-host for this mini-episode is Tristan. Hello. So today we're going to be picking apart the aesthetics category of the grid by defining each of the five subcategories and giving some examples of movies that we would award high scores to, as well as one overall example of a movie that would score negatively. Um, or poorly, I should say. Uh, So be sure to keep an eye out in the coming weeks. Uh, One week from today, we'll be posting the last two mini-episodes, and that's going to be for impact on film and overall enjoyment slash extra credits. And then we'll also be posting, uh, or I should say, those are the last two grid-related mini-episodes. And then uh, the Monday after that, I'll be posting a wrap-up of phases one and two of Marvel Monday leading up to the season two premiere of Nitty Gritty Reviews, which is going to be on Monday, January 7th, and that's going to be Marvel Monday, uh, Captain America Civil War, and somewhere in there, I believe the first Friday of January, there's going to be a little bit of a pre-episode with Leon the Professional, which is uh, with guest Dustin from Movie and TV Throwbacks with D. Oh, yeah. um, so that's going to be... Uh, keep an eye out for that. It was an unscheduled episode, but I'm really excited about it and want to get it out as soon as possible. So it will probably be uh, pre-season two, even though it is a full-length episode and not a mini-episode. So with all of that uh, good stuff out of the way, uh, I guess it's time to jump into the aesthetics category. Is there anything you want to say just off the top before we dive on into the subcategories? Uh, I just want to say there's a lot of movies that score very, very high for aesthetics for me. Uh, I used a few of them earlier, um, so I'm not going to use them again. And this is another one of those categories, although not as much as some of the others where, like, if it scores high on one, it probably scores high on most of them. Yeah, that's probably true. But uh, that's probably true of most categories in the grid. I don't know. It seems like some of them are more than others. Yeah. Depends on the movie. Um, All right. Well, that said, the first subcategory is going to be hair. Um, This is pretty easily defined. It's just uh, the hairstyling and facial hairstyling for every Mm -hmm. hair, for for every hair, for every (laughs) character. Um, I feel like in the past we've kind of forgotten about facial hair and then mentioned it halfway through. And it's like, oh, yeah, that should be considered. Um, So I wanted to put that little note in there that it's not just uh, hairstyles, but also facial hair. Um, yeah, so that said, what is a movie that would score highly for you when it comes to hair? Alright, so this is one of those movies that I've been like holding on to because I know I have to use it at some point. And I know there's many, many categories where it would score very highly. But this one scores very highly, or it scores very highly for the hair category in a very subtle, easy-to-miss way. And that movie is Edward Scissorhands. I get that, totally. Yeah, so there's the obvious things, like Edward Scissorhands and his hair, and like, I don't know, a lot of obvious stuff. But then there's a scene where, I think it's towards the end of the movie, I don't remember if like, yeah, I think it's when there's like an emergency or something at the mansion where Edward lives, and all the townsfolk come out in the middle of the night, and it's like before Christmas, so they're wearing their uh, Christmas robes and Christmas pajamas, but they also, if you look at the crowd, it's very subtle, they don't draw a lot of attention to it. Quite a few of the people have these preposterous, absurd haircuts. 
One yeah. of them is like a swan with like the whole swan neck, and another is like a present, like a like a giant rectangle cube thing with like a bow on it, and and it it's there, it's yeah. there. It's 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 not like the camera zooms in on it or anything, but, and and for some reason that is absurd and over the top as that is, yeah, I can see that in that town. I can see that in well, this movie. Well, Edward did that. He cut all their hair. That was his thing. Yeah. Yeah, like topiary and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it all, it all like circles back around. Yeah. Yeah, but they don't show that on, or I don't think yeah, they show. Yeah, they show them They show haircuts. those individual haircuts? Well, I don't know about that, but there's definitely a scene. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen that movie, but there's definitely a scene where you see him cut at least one person's hair. Oh, yeah, yeah. He becomes like the town barber and everyone yeah. likes him. That's how he gains acceptance. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, the movie itself has funny, weird, different hair, and and I forgot how much of a plot point it was. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. That's a good pick. Edward Scissorhands for hair. Yeah. That's a better pick than mine, I'll admit. Uh, I went with The Fifth Element, which is okay. uh, largely just because, more so than, than playing into the narrative like your pick did, um, it's just so bonkers and every character has <laughs> something unique i mean there's just i mean of course you have the oh man i can't even remember her name the the main girl um yeah the chick uh yeah. who wears uh duct tape as clothes like bandages but yes yeah uh with the orange hair yeah man i can't even i'm gonna say like lulu but that's not right something so like that's that, an though. m like lulu no that's not even well, I know the actor. I mean, the actor is uh, Mila Jovovich. Yeah, that's exactly what I was But I don't remember the character's say. name. Uh, but anyway, like, it's not just her, though. Like, all the, like, you just look at the extras in the background, and they yeah. have crazy, I guess that's supposed to be futuristic. Like, it's silly and over-the-top and cartoony, but fits so perfectly within that yeah. movie. And it's just, like, like, usually with movies like that, the main characters will have crazy hair, and then you look in the background, and it's just normal hairstyles, because... Who wants to pay to have like crazy hairstyles for every single extra? But that movie is almost the opposite. Yeah. Like, you got Bruce Willis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then a sea of crazy hairstyles. Yep, pretty much. Um, so that's why I went with the fifth element, is just because it's so, so over the top, but so perfectly suited for that movie. Yeah, that's. Uh, I only saw that once. I don't even remember if I saw the whole thing or not, but. Uh... I do remember seeing some things in the background. I was like, oh, that's pretty neat. <laughs> yeah. You crazy sci-fi future. <laughs> All right. Well, that said, should we move on down to makeup? Yeah. All right. Uh, so this one is, again, pretty easy to define, um, but I, I specified a few things. So it's beauty, wound, creature, and theater makeup used for every character. But just kind of everything, because I feel like often when we do... The reviews, we tend to focus on just, like, the beauty makeup, and then it's like, oh, yeah, right. there were some wounds in there. Like, oh, I didn't even think about the creature that was clearly makeup. Like, there's... Yeah, yeah. It, um, it, it tends to be like, oh, yeah, she had neat lipstick. Right. Or like, yeah. oh, everybody looked natural. Or oh, she didn't wear any makeup. That was refreshing. Right. Or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, so I wanted to specify. I'm not... Honestly, don't remember what I meant by theater makeup as opposed to beauty makeup, but uh, that's in, I guess... Like, old person makeup, maybe that's what I was going for. Like, special effects type makeup, I don't know. Yeah, I think you're just trying to make the point that it's not, like, everyday, normal, conventional, you're just a person living your life makeup. Sure. Although Cinematic. All right, well, that said, uh, <laughs> what, was, what was your pick for 
makeup for something that would get a high score. All right, so I wrote down something, and then I was very, very confused. Okay. And then I figured it out. I wrote down Labyrinth, that movie with uh, David, David Bowie, Bowie yeah. the, racho, the macho rock star, as he was referred to in the Community episode. <laughs> uh, and then I was reading it, I was like, yeah, okay, okay, I, I can see that. And then I realized, no, no, no. Pan's Labyrinth. That does make a lot more sense for makeup, at least. <laughs> Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> different movie. Very different, though often confused, weirdly. There have been many occasions yeah. where I've talked about Pan's Labyrinth and someone's like, the one with David Bowie? I'm like, no, 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 no. No, no. No. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I gotta go with Pan's Labyrinth. The makeup when it needs to be beautiful, is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Uh, when someone needs to be wounded, like uh, someone slashed their cheek open with a knife. Yeah. That's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you got some crazy creatures, yeah, you got you want crazy creatures? They got crazy creatures. Yeah, and all practical. I think it's important to Yeah. Have, well, a little bit of green screen in there. Like, yeah, a little bit like here and there, but green, a lot of but it. But a lot of it is practical. It's practical. Especially and it's that, the face. That's, I think that's the important one to remember. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this movie came up in a previous episode about uh, acting and casting. What's that guy's name? Doug Jones. Doug Jones. Yeah. yeah just Doug Jones and a ton of makeup. Mm-hmm. With multiple parts in that movie. Yeah. So Pan's Labyrinth is my choice for like a 10 out of 10. Excellent example, uh, example of makeup used for beauty and wounds and creatures and theatrics and all kinds of stuff. All right. It's funny that you went with that. I almost went with that, but then I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I used that in one of the cinematography. I'm nearly positive I used it for either mood or beauty for cinematography. Um, So I didn't, but I did go with The Shape of Water Mm -hmm. for pretty much all of those same reasons. And the, 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 uh, (laughs) let me compose my thoughts here. Uh, (laughs) What was his name? Amphibian Man, I think is what he was credited as. Amphibian Um, Man. I'm pretty sure that's what he was credited as. Okay. I mean, we can look it up, but I mean, what would you call him? Water monster. He wasn't a monster. Anyway, regardless, <laughs> um, I mean, that that could go for costumes and makeup, I feel, because it was definitely like a suit that he wore. But I, I classified it more as makeup because there was so much makeup that went into it. Um, right. But man, just his, that, that creature design and... The, the how realistic it looks and how how much of it was practical. Um, I mean, just the the team that Guillermo del Toro works with on his movies oh, yeah. just really, really brings those creatures to life. Any of his movies. Hellboy. Both of the Hellboy movies that was my backup as well. Yeah. Because I thought you might have chosen Pan's Labyrinth. I almost did. My backup would have been Hellboy. Yeah. And, and there's just, I mean, any Guillermo del Toro movie, for the most part, would work. For this, um, for this category, his his creature work is amazing. I mean, it's not his creature work, but the the team that he works with and and the stories that he come up comes up. Yeah, with and, and his vision and his yeah, yeah his vision, yeah, his his definitely. directorial style, everything just yeah, phenomenal. So, all right, we're on the same page for that one. <laughs> um, on that note, should we move on down to costumes? I'm ready for costumes. All right, uh, so this one again, pretty easy to define. Uh, just what is every character wearing, and does it seem appropriate for the characters and the story being told? Pretty straightforward. What was your pick? 
Well, I kind of shuffled back and forth between two of them, and for a while I was going to go with Flash Gordon, because that has some pretty over-the-top costumes, which match the uh, the realm that each one is associated with, I guess you would, could say. But then I remembered I used that as a bad example when discussing Thor and, like, how badly this could be done. <laughs> For example, Flash Gordon. So the two things that I had that were basically tied, that one slunk down quite a bit, and what was left was Dune. Specifically the, um, the one with Patrick Stewart and um, the guy from Twin Peaks, Kyle... McLaughlin? McLaughlin? Or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the one directed by David Lynch. Yeah. Probably should have led with that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I had to think my way towards it. I had to <laughs> remind myself. Uh, although there's also a couple other Dune versions, and they all are pretty strong in this. And it's one of those things where, like, it's pretty over the top. It's pretty silly. Uh, but it gets the point across that it's like a, like an older, like a, like a pre-World War One European feudal system kind of thing like you see this you you see someone who's like the duke of some planet and it's like oh yeah that's like what napoleon's officers wore uh when they were conquering other nations or you know from the few history books or whatever i've seen so it has like that really weird mix where it's over the top preposterous silly future stuff but like it's based in history and like i get what's going on all right. And that's the point of it. So I chose Dune. All right. That's a good pick. I had a little bit of a hard time with this one because I, I mean, pretty much every, every category within aesthetics, I'm like, there's so many. I mean, this is one yeah. of the, one of the easier ones, I think, to identify when it's good or when it's bad as opposed to like sound design that that's you know, again, true. It has to be really bad for you to notice it. Um, or really good for you to notice it. So, so I had a lot of honorable mentions. I'm not going to explain why I had them, but I'm just going to kind of list a couple. Um, Captain America Civil War, I think, has uh, some of the best costumes in the MCU. Had to throw in an okay. MCU if we're talking costumes. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Classic. Yeah. Um, and on a similar note, I've been obsessed randomly with Reefer Madness lately. More on the obscure side, but the costumes are pretty fun. Not the original 1930s or 40s. The... No. Reefer Madness, the movie musical. Obviously the movie Of musical. course. Yeah. Um, but it's very... Uh, in the same vein as Rocky Horror, where it goes from, like, 30s prim and proper to yeah. uh, Rocky Horror-esque at times. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Drugged in parodies. You know, it's, it goes all over the place. And it's just fun, and I haven't mentioned it in anything yet because I've been restraining myself, but I'll mention it here because it's actually a really good example, I think. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it takes things to such extremes that it's, like, cartoonish. Yeah. Like, cartoonishly wholesome. Yes, you exactly. Know, the, the attractive young football player and the attractive young cheerleader, whatever it was. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, it's very leave it to beaver and then swings to... Rocky Horror, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, none of these are my actual answer, but they're also Star Trek classic uniforms. Yeah. Can't go, can't go wrong. I was more, wondering... more so next gen. I don't really like the original. I mean, it's still classic. Yeah. It got it all started, but next gen pre-movie era. Yeah. 
costumes. I, I was trying to work Star Trek into here somewhere, but... I know, I, I it's didn't. already been used for so many other things, which is why it's just an honorable mention for me. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so all of that said, I guess now I should give my actual answer, because that was a lot. <laughs> I, could, I could keep going, there's so many. I, yeah. Tanya, I just looked at my poster over Yeah, there. yeah. That's uh, some great costumes. Especially since you look at it and, like... Well, first of all, the entire movie, everything about the movie, you're like, there's no way this has anything to do with reality. But it does. Yeah. You and look then, at the original thing. Yeah, like, yeah. duplicated that outfit. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's so fun and just, I love that movie so much. I, the only thing that would make that movie better, this is a totally random side rant, and if this episode gets too long, I'll cut it, but... The only thing that would have made that movie better is if they actually were able to get the music that Tanya Harding yeah. actually because she skated to like like the first time she landed the triple axel was to the theme of the nineteen eighty nine Batman movie and when she skated at the Olympics when like her laces broke she was skating to the Jurassic Park theme like yeah she had incredible music that she skated to and of course they didn't stand a chance in hell of actually getting the license to that music <laughs> but that would have been incredible yeah. anyway that was. Not the right category for that, but I had to say it. Um, so anyway, my actual answer, finally, <laughs> to say it, Wonder Woman. I think that that is... Uh, okay. I, I was really mad it didn't get nominated for Best Costume Design. I don't think it should have been gotten nominated in, at the Academy Awards for much else. I know a lot of people were upset it didn't get nominated for anything, and I'm like, costume design is really the one thing I feel like it should have gotten nominated for. And especially because there were only like three things nominated and it wasn't one of them. I'm like, really? You couldn't have gone to four and included a superhero movie in there? Come on. Suicide Squad can get makeup. Well, I mean, just the, the attention to detail and the, just the, the craftsmanship. Like, not just, I mean, Wonder Woman's uniform is amazing and they, they really did a good job of, you know, adapting from the comic books, but the right, because I mean, her, she's been around almost as long as Superman. She's got. 60 years of history to draw from they could have gone in multiple directions they found a direction that's true to the comic books but also makes her badass it's a warrior's uniform it's not too skimpy i mean it is skimpy but it still looks like armor it doesn't look like she's just trying to show off her boobs it's like yeah no this seems like what a warrior amazon person okay, would yeah, to yeah. like it, it feels you know it's not exploitative or gross or you know boobs popping out like it's it's very tasteful while still being true to the comics. And it's just, you know, her costume, her uniform is very uh, what I want my Wonder Woman to look like, I guess. But then yeah, all the other that. Amazons are great. And then you've got all the period piece costumes. Like, it's just, it's phenomenal. I forgot about the period piece costumes. That's yeah. a good point. So that movie, it has a lot of flaws. I don't love it as much as a lot of other people. But I, it does have a place in my heart because it is beautiful to look at and we finally get a Wonder Woman movie. It doesn't suck. It just falls into some generic pitfalls. But, man, the costumes. Easily my favorite part of the whole movie, I think, is just the costumes. So that had to be my, my number one pick out of all those honorable mentions. That one is my number one. That's a, that's a solid choice. Thank you. Anything else you want to add for costumes before we move on to sets and locations? Nope. All right, sets and locations. Uh, th these are all pretty easy to define, but I'm going to read my definitions anyway. Uh, so sets and locations. Do the characters feel like they are in the world of the movie, or do they feel like actors on a set? Pretty easy to define. Uh, with that said, what was your example of a movie that would get a high score? 
So I chose a movie that I don't even think you've seen. Okay. Oh, wow. That look of disbelief. It was a look of disbelief. Also, I was I was mid-eggnog, so oh, yeah. I couldn't say anything. <laughs> Uh, I chose a movie that I don't think you've seen. I think you should see it, and I'm pretty sure you will see it eventually. Um, it's an older movie. Part of your definition says, or do they feel like actors on a set? And they do quite a few times, but I think that it's because they had more ambition than skill at this point in time. Okay. I chose the movie Metropolis. Very good pick. I have not seen it, and it has been on my list for years and it's definitely one in my uh, quest for 2019 to watch 100 new movies that, that are new to me. Yeah. That is already included in my list of ones I want to watch. Yeah, this is an excellent one. And um, like Good old this, German expressionism. <laughs> there you go. It is your favorite. <laughs> yeah. The sets are really cool, really great. They really do a good job of telling the movie because this is, or telling the, the story because this was a silent film. Um, there's like bits and pieces of dialogue and bits of pieces of exposition, but they're just like the printed title cards, like cut away from the movie and show like a camera filming a wall with some writing yeah, or however they did it for 10 or 15 seconds. And then you do that a few times, but the, the, the sets are really very lavish and over the top. Uh, they, like they, they take what they're saying to the extreme and it has been parodied or homaged or referenced in so many other things. Even Futurama. I don't know why I said even Futurama. I was going to say that. Futurama. That, that makes sense. But yeah, once, once you see this movie, you'll see so many parallels and so many other things. And there's a few things in the movie that I think are pretty lame. But sets and locations, really well done. They, they definitely had uh, more ambition and vision than skill. I don't know if that's the right way to word it. Like, No, I think that's... Or maybe maybe skill isn't the right word, but technology. Technolo- or... yeah, technology, I think that's a, better, that's a better way of wording it. It wasn't like the people involved were like a bunch of dumbasses, because they obviously right. weren't. Right. The technology. I think that's a better... Yeah, that's definitely a better way of saying it. Metropolis. All right. My pick, this is another one I used already. And now I'm thinking, I'm like, maybe I should change it to something Tim Burton. Um, yeah. Because that yeah. would be, that would be really good. But that's not, that wasn't my original gut. And that's just leeching off of your response. So I'll say what I wrote down. I picked Jackie, um, which I definitely have already okay. used. I used in the acting and casting category, which is probably the better fit for it if I had to pick one. But what I love about one of the many things I love about this movie, and I'm not going to go into too much detail because this is going to be a season two episode in uh, summer of 2019. It's a little ways away, but still. But what they did in that movie, they filmed in France. But of course, most of the movie takes place in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Or at least a, a decent chunk of it does. So they had to rebuild the White House, like make a model White House in Paris and not only was it a model White House built in Paris, but it was a model White House from 1963, and they made it so accurate from from what I know. I mean, I yeah, I went on quite the nerd kick <laughs> of you know looking at things side by side, and I watched the 
the original White House tour that Jackie Kennedy gave that they recreate in that movie, and it is, it's it's exact. I don't know how they did it. It is so incredible. Yeah. And and another movie I can't believe it didn't get nominated for set design, because I mean the just the I, I'm just repeating myself, but just the the attention to detail, the yeah, precision, yeah. the the exactness was exact. Now I'm repeating just words, but. <laughs> The verisimilitude was verisimilis. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so I had to pick that one because it's just so impressive what they were able to accomplish and how they were able to accomplish it. Yeah. Anyway, that said, should we move on to props or is there anything else you want to add for sets and locations? Uh, I think we both had good choices and there were a lot of good movies to choose from. Yeah, there were. All right, well, that said, moving on to props. Uh, so this one I defined as, are the sets dressed appropriately, and do the characters have specific props that help define their character and tell the story? Uh, so I did kind of lump in set design with this as well, which, yeah, you know, it kind of, that that's the kind of thing that can really go, you know, obviously that's a part of the set, so it can go with sets and locations, but it's the individual props within the set, so that can kind of go, uh, as far as the set dressing, that can easily go in both categories. But then it's also just what the characters are interacting with, whether it be furniture, cars, weapons, you know, whatever they're... Why am I going into this much detail? It's props. People know what props are. <laughs> so, uh, so that said, uh, what would get a high score for props for you? I had a hard time with this one more than most of the other subcategories for this category of aesthetics. Um, I narrowed it down to two. I think they're both really, really good choices. They're both 10 out of 10, but I think it's kind of cheating in a way. Uh, so the two movies I chose were The Lego Movie and okay. Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. I think they're both clearly 10 out of 10s. Yeah. For props props and uh characters having their own style and their own thrown things that they're using uh and set dressings and all that but i do think it's kind of cheating because it's not it's not real stuff i mean is it cheating or is it just the ultimate example because i mean with stop motion everything is a prop that's the whole idea yeah even the characters are props you could see them that way you know yeah i don't know i i'm uh, the smarter people than me have debated that for centuries, I'm sure. I don't know about that. Back in the day when they were making, like, <laughs> shadow puppets on the cave wall by the fireplace. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Anyways, those are the two uh, movies that are tied for first. The Lego movie and Nightmare Before Christmas. Because both of them, there's such attention to detail to little things it's like the like like how the characters interact with little things and it's a it's extra noteworthy because it's not like in real life i just pick up a cup or i do this or i do that like someone had to design it someone probably drew it and then the director was like no i want it to be a little different and then they've worked something out and then someone made something and then someone animated it and then there's like so much effort and so much attention goes into every little thing that it's not yeah. like an accident that uh, uh, the cup was picked up this way or yeah. I don't know why I'm obsessed with cups all of a sudden. <laughs> um, 
and and I think these movies both do a really really good job of of really using that to tell the story and to 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 bring you into this completely different universe. Yeah. So that's why I chose the Lego Movie slash The Nightmare Before Christmas, with an honorable mention to uh, Team America: World Police. <laughs> sure. Which is one of the the best movies ever made. <laughs> one of my favorites. And second place for props. All right. Well, I went uh, a, a much different route than you. Uh, for props, I picked Clue. Which is kind of... <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Kind of an odd choice, uh, I admit. Yeah. Because it's, yeah. really it's really just the weapons. Like, the main... How they, yeah. how they get all the weapons from the game. Which is largely... I mean, it's in the script, of course, how they get the weapons. But just the way they look. It, it was so easy... Uh, or, or it would be so easy to make it too hokey or too realistic. That's a, you know, talk about a, a cartoony type yeah, of movie. Yeah, like it's, true. It's way over the top. It's super slapstick. It's ridiculous. So you don't want, like, super realistic, threatening-looking weapons. And yet at the same time, it's a movie about murder with weapons. So they, you know, really have right. it. Plus you have these very specific designs of the weapons from the game that everybody's familiar with. You know, so they had a, a lot of, uh, I would imagine, a lot of difficulties getting these weapons to look like the game, look realistic, but not too realistic. You know, they're, they're yeah. I don't know, I just uh, really appreciate the, the design of the props in that movie and how they, you know, make you reminiscent of the movie while also being a part of the movie. It, it was uh, good stuff. I would, I, yeah. I would say as an honorable mention, kind of along those same lines, would be... Jurassic World, which I think did an amazing job um, to so, to some people's opinion to its detriment. Other people love it. I'm one of the people that love it okay. of just throwing in every prop they could possibly think of from the original movie and having it come back and be like, oh yeah, look, the binoculars, the Jeep, the banner, like there's all of these, the gates, like there's all of these props from the original movie that pop up. I think it's really, really fun. A lot of people just think it's nostalgic garbage um, and I can see both sides of it. I, I completely get both both sides of it. And, I mean, that movie's not great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, like, championing for the movie. <laughs> it's not great. Uh, but for the nostalgia factor, movie. I enjoyed it for the nostalgia factor. And and the props were a big part of that. So that would be my honorable mention, I guess. I don't know why suddenly we're doing honorable mentions for all of these, but there's just so much to talk about with this category. Yeah. No, I think we've we've always been doing honorable mentions, but it's usually like at the end of the episode. But now we're doing it for the specific subcategory. Yeah, it's all good yeah. fun. Well, anyway, on that note, is there anything else you want to add? Any other honorable mentions, tidbits, anything else for any of these subcategories before we give our bad example? Um, do we have time for one more honorable mention? Sure. For which category? Uh, you'll see. Okay. So I really like when I see something in a movie or I hear something and I'm like, that's a really cool song or that's a really neat location or a really cool idea or a book or whatever. And I look it up and I, this, this like sends me on this crazy journey and I learn a lot and I see some neat things or whatever. So for the sets and locate or yeah the sets and locations i have an honorable mention that uh exposed me to some really cool architecture uh my favorite architect probably one of my favorite artists uh and the movie is casper 
The one with Christina Ricci in the 90s? I was going to say, Casper as in Casper the Friendly Ghost Yes, Casper? Casper the Friendly Ghost. Wow, okay. I think it was like mid-90s. Probably early 90s. Early 90s. I remember 90s. having such a crush on Casper when he turns into a human at the end. I was like, he's so dreamy. And he's like 12, if that. So it had to have been early 90s. When I was that age, let yeah. me specify. <laughs> That's why I'm coming up with that estimation. All right, well... <laughs> now I don't feel so weird about my feelings for Christina Ricci. So, so yeah, Casper the Friendly Ghost, the mid nineties, late nineties, early nineties, age appropriate nineties. That's the important thing. Uh, the architecture of that house was just so, so different and so weird. It was like, it definitely had like the creepy old abandoned mansion thing going on, but. Like, it was so curvy and so round and, like, natural but formal. And it, it just had so much going on. It was, it was, it just blew my mind. And so I ended up looking into it, and I found that it was inspired by uh, a lot of the architect architecture of Antonio Gaudi. Uh, really, really interesting stuff. Just amazing. Just unlike anything else that I've ever seen. And so I got to give, I got to give... Uh, I Props to Casper the Friendly Ghost <laughs> for its sets and locations for being so unique and yet clearly inspired by something and that introduced me to something new and led me down that path. All right. Casper the Friendly Ghost came out in 1995 and Christina Ricci was like 15, so. I was 14, so. There we go. Like I said, totally age appropriate. <laughs> but anyway, uh, bad example time. So what is a movie for you that would score poorly overall with these categories? Um, this was not the, 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 the quickest bad example that came to me. I had a hard time with it as well. Uh, but eventually I landed upon a franchise that we have both discussed, but not individual movies. Well, I think we have discussed them, but we haven't used them. Okay. I choose Star Wars Episode 1 and 2. I think it was a, a perfect storm of bad stuff. Uh, there was a lot of technology that they were trying to use that was not ready to be used. No, not even close. They were like 10 years off. Yeah, and the people who were involved should have known that and should have said that. And I'm, I'm sure maybe they, they did. did. I think it was just George Lucas who yeah. was like, no, we're going to do this. I'm sure his team... I've heard yeah. stories of people who have worked with him. He is not an easy man to work with. I mean, yeah. not like I've heard firsthand, but I listen to podcasts and stuff to people who have. <laughs> yeah. So that's a that's a huge part of it. Uh, like, I think we watched it like a year or two ago, and there's a scene where Yoda's like floating around on like his, his uh, lazy boy chair or whatever the whatever it was. And like the shot, it's clearly CGI. Yeah. And the shadow beneath him is just like like the shadow of a sphere. It's like the yeah. easiest shadow that you could possibly do in CGI land. Yeah. And if it's If I notice that the shadows are bad, yeah. it is bad cuz I like I can look at photoshopped pictures and I'm like, "Oh, that's cool." And someone else will be like, "That's blatantly photoshopped. Look at this, 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 and this." And I'm like, "Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I totally <laughs> I, I saw that." Yeah. <laughs> So, if I notice that it's bad. Yeah, there was so much of that in Star Wars Episode 1 and 2. And, like, the backgrounds and the whole, whole color correction thing where they tried to make it, like, 
extra blue and extra orange and like the everyone's eyes were like like some sort of unholy <laughs> demonic blue which isn't even really a thing but you know exactly what i'm saying if you've yeah. seen it like everything was just so aesthetically unpleasing unpleasing off-putting uh uncanny valley like all of it everything yeah terrible also things outside of aesthetics but we're just talking about aesthetics yeah yeah i use it as a bad example for something and i don't even remember which category it might have been special effects i hope it could have been any of them it could really could have it could have been cat acting yeah i take it back i think it was was actually yeah yeah i think it was yeah because oh that's right because i used x-files as editing i stand by that yeah, Ugh, man, I'm getting on, getting on all kinds of tangents. Yeah, you gotta shut me down. I, I should. Spread, What's your for anyone who hasn't listened to it? I will specify X Files season eleven episode one only. Oh, we love X Files. Fucking horsey cars. Was bad. I just had to specify in case someone wasn't listening and they're like, "You think X Files is bad?" You just had to mm-hmm. ruin another one of my days. This happens every time that episode's. Bad. All right. Your days are ruined too easily then. Anyway, I, bad. Anyway, I might ruin your day again. Stop with my all these tangents. Example. Yeah, so my bad example, I had a really hard time coming up with something, and I feel really, really bad about the example I picked. Because truth be told, I don't even think, well, I, we've rated it, and I don't think it got that bad of a score. It was certainly above 50%, um, which is usually my cutoff for if I consider it good or bad. It's like, well, okay. if, it's, if it's below 50%, that would be a, a poor score. Or, you know, a low score or whatever, and if it's above 50%, it's, you know, the closer to 100, the better, of course, but getting better. Um, And I don't even think this got below a 50, or a 5, I should say, so I don't know. But it it was the only thing I could really think of that stood out as bad, and that was the first Thor. Poor Natalie Portman, we're just pooping on all our movies today, Um, but anyone who's listened to any of our podcasts knows our feelings for Thor. We both love that movie i don't mean for this to be a reflection of the movie i'm not trying to contribute to the let's hate on thor train that was whatever in your in your mind that was the weakest part of that movie i think if that, i remember that and the force love story are the only two things i didn't like yeah. and i and i will i mean you know anyone listening who's curious should definitely go and listen to that episode i've said it once and i've said it i will say it again it's probably one of my favorite episodes we've done and i love it and i stand by it and people should listen to it to learn why Thor is a really good movie. Because to learn, like, you want your <laughs> students to know on their own. No, you know what I mean? Just A lot of them seem to be. <laughs> well, no, we, and we talk a lot in that review, too, about why it is that maybe some people yeah. don't like it. And, you yeah. know, it's, you know, go listen to that. I'm not going to rehash it too much. But as far as what I don't like in this category, in hair, you've got... And I do think this is something... Um, some of these categories would get lower if I went back and watched Thor now after being, you know, just now starting phase three and oh, kind yeah, of refreshing yeah. my memory. It's like, man, the first Thor, a lot of things still hold up really, really well, but the aesthetics, I think would, I, I would score that more harshly having rewatched more Marvel movies recently than I did when I, cause like things like hair, you've got the bleached yeah. eyebrows and the wig, which just doesn't quite work um and it didn't bother me i remember mentioning it and i was kind of like yeah, it doesn't really bother me that much though and now that we've i've refreshed my memory with more of the movies that he's yeah. in it's like oh man it just looks like he's got straw glued to his face and his hair doesn't look quite right like the hair's all wrong 
Makeup, I think, was fine. Costumes were awful, comparatively speaking. It just looked like cheap plastic. We go into that quite a bit in the review. Yeah. Sets and locations and props were fine. Those would probably get good scores still. I remember some of the sets and locations I thought looked a little cheap as well, similar to my complaints with the costumes. Um, But in general, sets, locations, and props would probably not be too bad. So, I mean, all in all... It's not like it would get, like, a 2 out of 5, or a 2 out of 10, yeah. I mean. But that was just one of the only things, like, you know, I was looking at my movie collection, trying to think of what would get a bad score, and I'm like, I just don't, I think I just don't like aesthetically unpleasing movies, so those kind of movies aren't, if I think it's ugly, right, it's not sure. going to be in yeah. the collection. Whereas a movie that has bad writing, I could probably be like, well, it's bad writing, but it's got the actor I really like, or the cinematography is gorgeous, or... You know, look at these beautiful locations or something. Right. You know, there's there's a lot of categories that's like, well, if it's bad, it's not the end of the world. But when it comes to, I mean, even lighting, if it's bad, I can be like, well, if there's interesting camera angles and acting's good, I can, it's not the greatest thing in the world, but I can look past it. Yeah. But like aesthetics, if, if the aesthetics are ugly, unintentionally ugly, I should say, like right. that, I think it, it takes a little bit of a bigger hit for me. Um, and, and, and that's also a thing that's pretty easy to tell just from trailers. So if a, tra- if a movie looks aesthetically yep. pleasing from the trailers, I'm probably not going to see it. So that's my theory as to why it was so hard to come up with a bad example. That makes sense. And that's a pretty good choice because that's one of those, the, the one aspect of that movie that does not hold up. No. And I think looking back on it, I was, I don't think, I know I was way too generous because yeah. it is one of the first Marvel movies, and I hadn't rewatched a lot of them, you know, aside from the ones coming out in theaters. You know, I go and see those all the time in theaters. Yeah. But we hadn't done, like, a proper rewatch before we started doing Marvel Mondays, and now that so many of the movies are fresh in my mind, and then looking back at the first Thor, it's like, oof. I love the script. I love pretty much everything about it. The cinematography is gorgeous. Even the weird Dutch angles is extreme as they go most of the time they work it's unique yeah um but the aesthetics easily the weakest point in that movie easily yeah all right well anything you want to add before we get to our question of the week or question of the episode no all right uh so as as usual i'm going to ask the question but uh again I, I in the beginning i was posting them on twitter and i just i've gotten lazy and was putting it off too long, and now I'm just not even doing it at all. So that's my bad. But that doesn't mean I don't want to hear from people and don't want to hear your answers. So after I ask the question, if you if an answer popped into your head and you want to share it, you can uh, contact us on social media. We're at Gritty Films, G-R-I-D-D-Y Films. Or you can email us at grittyfilms at gmail.com and let us know your answer or uh, you know what movies would get perfect tens for you in any of these categories or just say hi whatever you want um, we'd love to hear hear from you and, and uh, have you be involved in the conversation we'll read it out loud if you want us to on the next episode and uh, and talk about it so that said the question for this week is what is a genre that will always get a high aesthetic score for you um so this is another one where I have two genres. I don't know. This is a weird one because, like, it's hard to say that it is impossible to make an aesthetically unpleasing sure. movie. But yeah, the, the always is is yeah kind of in quotes. But there are genres in which it is expected to be well done, and it is well done. 
And if not, then no one's ever going to hear about it. So it doesn't, you're not even going to know that it exists. Uh, so I chose two genres, categories. One would be nature documentaries. Okay. Not even quite sure how to rate a documentary on the grid. I don't know either. This is one of those things that is just, I, I love nature documentaries and I've, I remember watching uh, Marty Stauffer's Wild America, <laughs> like when I was sick in seventh grade or whatever, or, or just when I could watch it. <laughs> uh, like just seeing animals run through crazy wilderness and seeing time lapse of plants and, 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 and things turning into fungus and then the fungus wilts and then some other stuff happens. And like, it's just such a it's 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 things that you are not going to see on a day-to-day basis and um it, they know it's going to be visual so i think they put extra emphasis like some of the the earliest 4k things were like documentaries and science and nature and 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 they really go out of their way because it is out of your way how often do you see a grasshopper being taken over by a fungus and then the camera rotates around it over the course of 27 days or whatever you don't see that at all unless you watch nature documentaries and then you see like tens of hours of footage or whatever so nature documentaries always aesthetically pleasing fair enough even when the technology doesn't hold up they still did the best they can and it's obvious the other category is I wanted to put a Blade Runner category. <laughs> so I put sci-fi noir. That's very similar to, to my train of thinking. Or train of thinking, train of thought, I guess. Um, but why don't you explain a little bit why? I mean, not that you need to. I understand why. Because Blade Runner. Yeah? <laughs> what, and, other, what other movies would fall into that category? Uh, well, I think this came up in uh, some of the cinematography things. Uh, there's Dark City. Which is also, I, I guess, just very, very dark with, like, stark contrast. Um, kind of futuristic, but also, like, referencing the, 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 the Gilded Era. Is that what it was called? The 20s? The Gilded Age? I don't know. Um, yeah, this is just this interesting juxt- juxtaposition and, like, neon lights and smoky cord- smoke-filled corridors and smoke coming out of the sewer system in the street and uh i I don't know it just always seemed like uh there was a heavy emphasis on visuals and aesthetics uh and that's that's part of it that's like in the dna of that genre which i'm calling blade runner noir (laughs) um i mean wasn't that like the beginning of cyberpunk would you consider that cyber? I haven't. I don't know if yeah, I can it was. It was about that time. Yeah. Uh, I think we mentioned that uh, Neuromancer is the first like solidly everyone agrees this is solid cyberpunk, and it's like five years after that. Yeah, it's a few yeah. years after Blade Runner. Yeah. Um, so it's it's yeah it's definitely its own thing. I don't know exactly what that thing is called, but aesthetics are a big part of it, and the aesthetics fit together and are really interesting and aesthetically pleasing and uh, uh, interesting to think about the juxtapositions and how it ties into the stories. Sci-fi noir, cyberpunk, whatever you want to call it. Blade Runner. (laughs) Solid pick. 
I, like I was saying, I had a very similar train of thought. I just put sci-fi, but that's not quite, or like there's a lot of different okay. types of sci-fi. Like, I feel like there's like sci-fi adventure type things that's more like uh, Star Wars and Guardians of the Galaxy and okay. the J.J. Abrams Star Trek. Yeah. You know, there's like that kind, and then there's uh, more uh, futuristic uh not post-apocalyptic but uh dystopian dystopian yeah i guess like, like, like grimy like, dirty yeah like like, like blade star, runner like blade runner or uh, star wars i think that was like the first major like no not everything is shiny hmm. that's why it still holds up aesthetically anyway yeah but yeah so i don't know but like the i like the more so i don't know i don't know what the what the what a good category would be for it because I was thinking like Arrival, which is yeah, you know not not quite the same, and of course Blade Runner um, and Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which I don't like nearly as much as the first Blade Runner. I am in Agreed. the minority. We are in the minority, um, but aesthetically speaking, it was gorgeous. Didn't have the noir touch that I wanted. People still call it yeah. a noir. It was not a noir. And that's one of the biggest reasons why I don't like it. Plus, it was like an hour too long and ripped off her a lot. But I digress. That's another, <laughs> that's another thing. Uh, but visually speaking, it was beautiful. Um, but what other sci-fi things have that like? Like, I feel like there's got to be a, I don't know, there's like a word for it. Hard sci-fi, maybe? I mean, that's what it would be like in literature. I don't know. But there's a very specific... Annihilation, I would even kind of consider. Almost, like, pessimistic? I don't think Arrival was pessimistic at all. Or... I would argue gritty, wasn't either. Dark? Blade Runner is. I guess Blade Runner... Because Blade Runner is a noir at its heart and happens to be a sci-fi. So that does... I guess that doesn't quite qualify for what I'm talking about. But, like, Arrival, Annihilation... Um, like, realistic... Realistic, but very like, I guess I guess realistic isn't the right word. Like present day sci-fi. Okay, yeah, yeah, right. Like we're all living our lives, doing our normal thing. Bam, sci-fi starts. Yeah, those tend to get one. The, I do feel like the potential for that to look bad is higher than other genres. So it's it's one of those like when they do it well, it's gonna get really high yeah, scores, and when they do yeah. it bad, it's gonna get really low scores. So I don't even know yeah, that. I yeah that. I agree. Yeah, so I don't know. That was probably a bad pick because, like, when it's bad, it's bad. But when it's good, it's, like, my favorite thing in the world. Yeah. Um, and then an honorable mention. I didn't put this because it's not a genre, but it definitely will always get high scores for me. Is, uh, I mean, period pieces in general, but particularly, oh, yeah. like, anywhere from, like, mid-30s-ish to, like, 60s or maybe even 70s. Like, like The Good Place. The Good Place? The TV show? As a period piece? Yeah. How I the mean, architects work in the architect room and... I mean, yeah, they have like a 60s vibe, station. but it's not literally the 60s. Well, aesthetically. Aesthetically, yeah. yeah. Okay, fine. You can cut that out and edit it. <laughs> I was just confused because I'm like, that's a modern day show. What are you talking about for a period piece? But yes, aesthetically speaking, it's very 50s, 60s. I guess not quite 60s. It's not quite Mad Men. It's like just pre-Mad Men. <laughs> so it's apparently how I define decades. Yeah. Makes but, sense. 
But yeah, anything within that, those time periods, I guess like mid-1900s. Yeah, okay. I just like it. But pretty much any period piece, I'm a sucker for. But that's, not, like I said, that's not a genre, and it's kind of like, I think most people, unless you're an expert in that history and know that there's a bunch of mistakes, you probably rate it pretty high. You know, like, I, I don't think that's a unique thing to me, and, I, and it's not a genre, so I didn't pick that. But anyway, uh, anything else you want to add before I wrap this up? I think I went on enough tangents. <laughs> yeah, so this is a little bit of a longer episode. Honestly, not as long as I thought it was going to be. Um, just because I figured we would both have a lot to talk about for aesthetics. I think we both also used uh, some of some amazingly beautiful, aesthetically pleasing movies for previous categories. Yeah, we definitely did. Which I knew was going to happen, but I was like, there's so many aesthetically pleasing movies, I'm not even going to worry about saving things for this category. And then I'm right. like, oops. But, yeah, no regrets. We got a lot of, uh, a lot of honorable mentions and... I did yeah. reuse Jackie, so oh well, but <laughs> You've only used it once. Before, I know I could have so. used it for like every single category, so restraint. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what I should have added for uh, I guess I'm adding it now as an honorable mention for pretty much any of these categories. Jackie? No, I think that, that is one of the answers for one. No, but for especially hair, makeup and costumes, Vox Lux. Speaking of Natalie Portman, it is possibly in theaters now. It is in theaters as we are talking about this, but I think it's going to be like... It came out December 14th, I think, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be like one week in theaters and that's it. Nobody is seeing this movie. When I got my ticket to see it, the ticket person... what what what, what why? Ticketeer? No, there's a word and I'm forgetting, but the, the person who sold me my ticket... Um, I had to repeat the name of the movie like three times and she was like, didn't know what I was talking about, but then finally figured it out. Um, How many people were in the theater? I was alone. Literally, it was just me. That is the only time. I've never even been in a theater where it's like just me and someone I'm with. Like, I had the theater to myself, which sounds kind of nice, but it was weird. It was eerie and (laughs) it was weird. Um, But the movie was... I'm not going to start talking about the movie. I have very complicated feelings. I did write a review for In Session Film that will, I'm sure, be up by the time this comes out. So uh, if you follow me on Twitter, I'll be posting about it. So check that out. But aesthetically pleasing, without a doubt. Um, Some fantastic... I mean, just watch the trailer. You'll know what I'm talking about. It is uh, definitely an honorable mention, especially for hair and makeup. Well, hair and makeup and costumes. All three of those, primarily. Anyway, I just thought of that, and I was like, oh, I can give a shout-out to this movie that nobody has heard of and nobody is watching this movie, which is a shame. Anyway, that said, I guess it's time to uh, play us out. So this week's song is Maybe by the Submarines, Speaking of the Good Place. This is another song that was played in an episode, and now I've been listening to it. That's the the montage song where uh, she's trying to be a good person in season three. Okay. It's playing now, but you we can't hear it because my headphones are broken. Um, so anyway, uh, so that's the song for this week and the reason for it. So thanks so much for listening to this mini nitty gritty review episode. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. We're we'll posting more mini episodes, finishing up talking about the grid as well as a Marvel Monday phases one and two wrap up. 
and uh, season two launches with all new full episodes on January 9th. If you liked what you heard in this episode, be sure to contribute to the conversation. Like I said before, Gritty Films can be found on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram with the handle at Gritty Films. You can also email us at grittyfilms at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what movies would get perfect tens for you. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Doing battle with our own familiar inhibitions.